Hey, K-pop cast listeners, this is another K-pop chat recording that we have weekly on Twitter spaces. So it should almost go without saying, but this is a lower quality recording uh, conversation as we're recording it via our mobile phone. Um, And this week, or at least for this episode, it was on the topic of when stand-up disproportionately or harms communities of color. So um, just want to put in a few trigger warnings here that uh, it involves verbal abuse, threats of violence, um, that sort of thing. Uh, so just heads up on that for this week's conversation. Also, I'll admit that I'm a very clumsy half-white guy bumbling into this conversation. So I just want to acknowledge that. So there's no surprises as we hear from this wonderful panel of speakers. So here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the K-pop chat. Uh, K-pop chat is a weekly conversation where we talk about um, I don't know, I guess sometimes the taboo stuff as well as the fluff in, in K-pop. So uh, not that we've had to do it before, but I think maybe it just needs to be said. Um, I'd like to set some ground rules for this week's conversation, but really all conversations moving forward. Uh, we're balancing a tension here between uh, being both a public venue for conversation as well as trying to make this a safe space. So with that in mind, um, I'm just going to ask everyone involved in this week's chat, be it you tweeting along using the hashtag or if you're coming up on stage um, to, to comment on this topic, uh, you know, just to do everything respectfully. Uh, you don't have to necessarily agree with everything that's being said, but we ask that you respect the speakers and uh, participate in this discussion from the perspective of trying to come at a solution. And um, again, you know, K-pop chat conversations have been really great because we've been able to have rational conversation <laughs> in K-pop. Um, but if we do start to see people being um, unproductive or um, offensive or whatever it may be, uh, we'll either ig- ignore the comment or mute people. So I also encourage fellow speakers on stage, if you see anything, um, just don't feed the trolls. Um, so let's just make this a safe and, and constructive conversation. Um, all right, so uh, really quick test. In order to make sure that we've got fair line distribution for um, all of the speakers on stage, um, we'll be asking you if you have something that you want to say to the topic to wave your hand, just like Mars did there. So uh, to, to wave, um, to indicate that you want to speak, you'll just want to do that uh, wave your hand emoji reaction, and then we'll, we'll queue up uh, speakers in, in speaking order. So I'm going to ask all my speakers if you can just do that really quick test right now. So if you click on that little heart button, yeah, just do that wave. There we go. Matt. Okay. And then Stephanie, I don't see you waving your hand. Do you know how to wave your hand? Everyone's done it so far except for Stephanie. Maybe Stephanie is away from the keyboard. Okay. Well, I'll move along. Wait, wait, wait. How do you do it? Where? Okay. You, you click, you see the little heart at the bottom of your screen? The Hearts. Heart plus. Yes. You hit that. And hey. you, there you go. Okay. So it's coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and do that when you've got something to say, and then we'll, yep. we'll line up speaking order. All right. Um, okay. So uh, what what are we here to talk about today? So we're here to talk about when K-pop stands harm communities of color. In late 2020, quote-unquote, K-pop fans were praised as being socially con- a socially conscious monolithic community who used fan camps to flood watchdog apps, hijack racist hashtags, and buy out Trump rally tickets. Often, K-pop movements move, 
often K-pop movements moved in the name of Black Lives Matter, but you know, if you actually spoke with Black K-pop fans, you'd see that not all these gestures actually helped um, uh, Black K-pop fans or Black uh, fans. So K-pop fans of color, uh, color have actually endured years of anti-Blackness from fellow K-pop fans, and we still see it today. From Hybe's lack of action in its app, which allow for racist language, uh, imagery, and violent messaging, to the ongoing doxing that we see happening on Twitter uh, every day on fans of color who simply ask their idols to do better. Fandom has unfortunately been a force of harm uh, for a community of color across these contexts. So to better understand these issues and to explore what we should be doing next, we've got a panel of speakers assembled here today. Um, and I'm going to go around the room here in the order that you appear on my screen. So I'm just going to um, ask you, call on you, ask you to introduce yourself and, you know, why you're, you're interested in, uh, why you want to talk about this topic. So uh, first on my list, um, it's Carrie. So please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Carolyn. I'm a film critic and entertainment journalist. I'm also a K-pop fan and avid K-drama fan as well. Um, one of the reasons I agreed to take part in this is because I myself have faced racism and bigotry from the K-pop fandom for, I, I would say, probably going on three and a half years now. And most recently been getting a lot of flack and very racist and I would say also ageist and misogynistic comments from one particular fandom. I'm not sure if Peter wants me to mention that because we know how this fandom in particular can go after people just for the mere mention of them but I think it's important that myself and others speak up because what they want is to silence us because they don't want any kind of negative comments or critique or any analysis about their behavior and their impact on black people in particular and other people of color because they do go after people of other minorities and other um, marginalized communities because I've seen it happen with like Muslim fans as well and um, I just think it's important that we have these discussions and using the excuse of, oh, just leave the fandom, just leave K-pop is not going to cut it. That's not how this works. Right. And then um, just to answer your, your question, like, I think we can go ahead and, and mention fandoms by name if you feel comfortable doing it. But um, certainly not to say that, you know, that fandom is, of course, a monolith. So I, and I think everyone agrees with that oh. sentiment and worldview. Okay, sorry, I have no problem saying it, but I just wanted to be sure because I, like, I know how they go after people. Like, they've come after me multiple times for it, but I have no problem with army. There yeah, we well, and uh, for the record, I've also been canceled by them already. So there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so up next, um, we've got Stephanie. Go ahead. Sure. Hey, everyone. My name is Stephanie calling in from Oakland, Bay Area, California. And is the question just what brings us here today to chat? Yeah, and introduce That's yourself. It. Yeah, um, so I'm one of the co-hosts of the K-pop cast with Peter and Michaela and the whole gang. And um, I, what I really enjoy about our time on the podcast is that we have no boundaries on what we can talk about. Okay, maybe some boundaries, but we have no problem criticizing the industry, criticizing idols, criticizing bands. Um, and it's it's all love, you know. Um, we can still be K-pop fans and name uh, harm and name uh, patterns of oppression and like systemic issues. So 
um, just to piggyback off of what the last speaker was saying, um, it's it's not reasonable to ask us as fans to um, to be to try and go after like purity or um, you know choose one side or the other. And and I just want to be here to to add that nuance and take off some of the pressure that can be here in these discussions. We're all human. We all make mistakes and all of that. And um, yeah, let's let's just like name things as we see them as they are. All right, thank you, Stephanie. And up next, we've got 106 and Soul. Oh, hi. Um, it's can y'all hear me? Yep. Oh, hi. It's me, Mars. Um, from 106 and Soul with a shiny friend. Um, well, you know, um, this account is private for a reason. <laughs> um, a lot happened last year when we started this podcast, me and my co-host, and it's been like. It's it's been a really annoying. I mean, it's I, I'm happy to keep it private because I no longer have to like deal with people who have no lives. But um, you know, I I would love to be able to enjoy things publicly, but sometimes you have to protect your peace. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that, Mars. And up next, we've got uh, not your average netizens. Hi, everyone. It's Nat from Not Your Average Netizens. And I'm here because I do a lot of K-pop chats, one. And two, uh, this is a very important conversation. And as Carrie said, like silencing marginalized people is kind of the name of the game in K-pop. We see the sanitizing, we see the tags clearing, we see the rewriting of history in real time. And I, I don't believe that that will lead to a better world. I don't think that it will lead to a better K-pop. Um, I mean, we're all different people from different walks of life and we have the right to be here. We have the right to enjoy our time here and to be free from bullying, to be free from, you know, all the isms and obics and all the other things. Um, so I think it's really important that we sort of get together and, you know, individually we're small voices, but together we can hopefully make a difference and make a change in in the way that people consume K-pop and even in the way that people make it. So that's why I'm here. Yeah, love it. And, oh, and by the way, I need to call out that um, both Nat and Mars were, um, they both suggested this week's topic, so I just want to give them credit for, for, for doing that and being that prompt and impetus. Um, okay, so up next, we've got uh, the Fan and Out podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, this is Eve. I'm one third of the Fan and Out podcast. Um, we're a predominantly K-pop podcast, but we do explore other parts of pop culture and Black culture as well. Um, I'm a part of this chat today because it's just obviously we're three Black women doing a podcast and we do experience racism in this fandom and xenophobia as well <laughs> in this fandom. So, um, I mean, in this space, not just a fandom, but like, um, I think this this conversation is important to have because we not only need to hold fans accountable, we also need to hold 
um, K-pop and K-pop companies um, accountable as well because they do um, add fuel to the fire by like when they do offend by not saying anything or doing a generic apology. So I think it is important to hold them as accountable as well. Yes, thank you. And thank you for joining us today. And last but not least, we've got Bree. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, this is my first time kind of contributing to one of these, but my name is Brianna or Bree. Um, I have a K-pop YouTube channel called Wandering Brianna, um, but I also work um, in public health, kind of working in reducing health disparities for communities of color. So I'm here because I really just love the intersection of things that I'm like interested in personally and like professionally. Um, and I feel like we kind of have like these conversations a lot and it feels like an endless cycle um, that kind of only ends in harm for a lot of black fans. So um, that's why I kind of wanted to be a part of this conversation. Okay, well, thank you everyone. Um, so uh, just uh, again, a reminder on, on uh, some of the ground rules that I just want to you know, make sure that this is as safe and constructive space as possible. Um, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily like 100% agree with everything the, the speakers are saying, but again, well, let's, let's keep it respectful here, both in, in your tweets and uh, what you might have to say on stage. So with that, I'm going to also plug again, you can ask questions or make comments using the hashtag Kpop chat, you'll see that we pinned one of the tweets um, from uh, Liz C. Um, so she's modeling good audience behavior there. Um, so that that's uh, more of what we want to see from you in the audience. Um, and we'll, we'll also, if we've got some time, we'll, we'll call you up on stage here at the end. Okay, so first question, and again, speaker, remember you can uh, indicate that you want to jump in just using the hand react emoji. Um, starting broad here, how does fandom harm communities of color? Or how does K-pop fandom? So, and I'm just going to call in you, Nat. I think you wanted to say something there. Oh, I was actually going to joke that who wants to go first? Because I feel like that's like a really loaded topic that everybody probably wants to jump in on. Um, but uh, I guess I'll just start and say that... Uh, in every fandom space I've ever been in, it's like anytime somebody of color has a criticism to make, especially black women who tend to be in a lot of the fandoms and I tend to be in, uh, the response is usually met with racism, like automatically. Like you're just saying something like, um, I don't know, you're just talking about the vampire diaries and you know, like, why is Elena dating two brothers? And somebody will come, turn around and be like, you porch monkey, N-word. Like, it's it's actually really insane the way that people automatically jump to racism. I have seen pictures of, like, like olden day pictures of, like, people being whipped and, like, people being lynched. And, like, people have, like, photoshopped, oh, trigger warning, photoshopped people of, like, Black people onto these with K-pop stars like to show, I guess, to, to tell us that we don't matter or to know our place or something. I don't know why they would do something like that. And it's not like an American thing because I've had this 
reaction from people in other parts of the world from like Asia, from um, like Europe and South America, <laughs> lots in South America. Um, so it's, it's not a, it's, it's a worldwide problem. That's why I like, I mean, obviously I know that other groups deal with these types of issues, like um, with Jay Park and, you know, using the, the Arabic word, you know, Muslims were offended and, you know, K-pop's constant use of like indigenous symbols and things like that. Like, obviously like, it's not just something that happens to black people. I can only speak from my experience as a black woman. And this, this is like really traumatic. This is really triggering. I actually saw an article today that said that basically like they linked schizophrenia to like not race, but dealing with racism. So like the trauma from racism can actually cause like very serious mental issues. And we're just here to enjoy things. We're not like here to take over K-pop or like tell people how to live their life. We're just here to enjoy some bop. So these reactions are literally insane to me like i mean that's the word that i used to describe it because that's what it feels like but yeah that's all i had to say on that thank you nat for kicking us off there and i, I it's also an act of bravery i think breaking the ice on that so i saw carolyn and then fanning out so um carolyn what would you like to go next um what uh nat said but also from my own personal experience too the way how it harms is i would say men mentally and emotionally first off because when you have people putting images of monkeys in your in your timeline, like referring to me, inferring, because they don't say it exactly, but when you post a picture, you're clearly making an inference because we know the history of Black people being um, called monkeys and being compared to monkeys and gorillas and being and calling me a roach and, and, and using the N-word and then also insulting my intelligence and my my capabilities as a as a journalist and saying that I, I should be unemployed because I don't know what I'm talking about and then also attacking my age saying that because I'm 37 like I have my my age in my bio I, I'm not ashamed of that but then saying that I'm too old to be enjoying k-pop I, I too old to be having opinions about k-pop I need to hush I'm old and they're crappy and I should be in a mental institution uh, or I should be in an old people's home and a whole bunch of awful racist things. And when these things happen repeatedly, and then you see other people not backing you up and you see people not defending you and you see the media praising these same people and calling them activists and saying, oh, they're they're doing this work because of Black Lives Matter. I'm like, no, that messes with me as a Black woman because I'm like, what you're telling me and what you're, as the media is showing me, it doesn't correlate with what with my experience as a Black woman. It doesn't correlate with what I'm seeing happen to other Black women in, in fandom. And then that that hurts emotionally. You're trying not to let it hurt, but when it happens over and over again, it will bug you. It will get to you mentally. And the thing is, people always say black women are super strong. No, we're not. We have struggles just the same as every as everyone else. When these things happen, they're gonna hurt us emotionally as much as we try not to let them hurt us. And then, like as Nat said, we're in this here for the enjoyment of music. We enjoy watching these music videos. We enjoy watching these, um, listening to these songs. We enjoy talking to our friends about these songs. And when this music is coming from Black culture, I'm Barbadian. I, I live in Canada, but like when you have music that is using reggae, calypso, as well as jazz and R&B and new jazz swing and all these things that come from Black music across the diaspora, you're telling me that I don't, I shouldn't have an opinion. I don't have a right to have an opinion because I disagree with something you say. That's bit, that's xenophobic. That's bigotry. 
whether they want to call it racism or not. And that's harmful to us as individuals, but also harmful to our, our community and the diaspora at large because you're taking advantage of our history and trying to use it for your own gains, but then telling us we don't have the right to speak on it. Thank you, Carolyn, and, and also um, thank you, everyone, uh, also for being uh, vulnerable and, and open in this space. Um, Fanna, now. Um, yeah, I just oh, wanted to piggyback off of what Nat said about because I feel like every time I enter a new fandom, I always have to kind of give myself a little talk and be like, "Hey, you're going into this fandom. This as a black woman, this is are the things that you're going to experience, and try not to internalize that." But but you do a little bit though because it's like, why is everyone's default to racism when you say something they don't agree with, they don't like? That's always like a major thing for me. It's like, why do you see me, a black woman? and your first response is to call me the n-word or to send me pictures of people being lynched or trigger warning or um you know pictures of monkeys or gifs of monkeys like why is that your first response and that's i think that's something that people really do need to unpack it's like why is your default setting racism when someone doesn't agree with you yeah so i, I didn't see any other uh, speakers looking to raise their hand, so I'm I'm just gonna move this on to uh, one of um, Mars oh, raised his hand. Go ahead, Mars. Hi. Um. So I'd like to I'd like to go on golf two things. Um. I'd like to piggyback off of Carrie for one second because um. Also, that whole K-pop activism thing really pissed me off when it started because it was like oh like we're praising these fans for the bare minimum of treating humans like human beings when they barely do that well they don't do that online let's, let's, let's be honest they don't do that online that's not a thing that happens if, if anyone who's been online and who has written about these things and have seen the the way that fans interact with like i like people and and even the people who write these articles you know that these people are like trash can i cuss also is that yeah go for it okay because I, I cuss a lot i'm so sorry y'all um and it's just it's just really weird. But also, I'd like to say another thing that we've not touched upon yet, because um, while we are also dealing with racism and anti-blackness from from um, non-black people and like white people, we're also dealing with anti-blackness from black fans who are just lost in the sauce. And I don't understand how someone could become so lost in something that they would get to a level so low that they'd have to go against their own their own selves to defend or protect something that they supposedly enjoy. Um, if you are black and anti-black, where are you black? Yeah. Go ahead, Carolyn. Um, to Mars' point, a lot of that has to do with wanting validation. And we know that a lot of this racism comes not only from other non-Black people, but predominantly from white uh, white people in the fandoms. And we know a lot of Black people, especially if they're younger, they're looking for that validation. They're looking to fit into these communities, especially when after you're seeing all of this attention the media is giving these fandoms, they're, they're going to be like, OK, if I say this thing against Black people, that means these people who are getting all of this media attention, 
they're going to like me too. So therefore, and like people talk about parasocial relationships and this kind of ties into that, but it's not only parasocial relationships, it's just plain old white supremacy being as prevalent and pervasive and, and, and as destructive as it is to black communities. And this is part of that because they want to fit in. They want to feel like they belong. And if they have to tear down other black people, then so be it, because they're going to look at it as saying, well, these black people are hating on this thing. So therefore, they must be wrong. They're not looking at it from a racial context at all, which is another problem, because when they when a lot of young people and I'll say older people, because it happens with older fans, too, they're not looking at they they, they think that us look, focusing on race is being picky and being hater. Like, no, like the the problem is, is that race, race, yes, is a construct, but we didn't in invent this construct. Therefore, we're operating in the construct that was created, and we're going to say what we have to say about it. And if they don't like that, and if they don't want to see that, they're going to be anti-black because their own, their the way they're looking at things isn't from a purely critical and analytical point of view. They're just going with, they're following the crowd. They're going with the flow. They they just want to belong. Can I just shortly piggyback off that? Um, yeah. And with what Carrie and Mars had said, and it's definitely, definitely going to be about validation. Because I mean, as you mentioned, we see it in our own community a lot, especially when it comes to things like colorism, you know, like we see it in, in our community so, so prevalently. So we understand that. Um, I mean, it is obviously very disappointing. I think that also too, I think, there's an influence from Korea and K-pop culture where they like to sanitize things and make it so that you only see the good. That's like the most important things. That's why they clear the tags. That's why they rewrite history as it's happening, even though we have receipts and we we have things to back up what we have to say. Like for for a lot of these fans, they go off of what like netizens do and they they love the whole idea of this perfect image. And so if you if there's a speckle of dirt on that image, the problem and and like say it's it's there for a reason and say it's it's there because of some rot in that group or that company or whatever. Like the problem is never going to be the company. The problem is never going to be the fans. The, the problem is anybody who criticizes it. And I gotta speak some straight facts from on my own from my own perspective. When I see fans who are black of certain groups and certain idols who I never see defend other Black fans or speak out on racism, I just automatically assume they're going to be coons. That's just from my perspective. I know everybody can have things differently, but I know that the people in this chat and other Black fans... Oh, know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We, we roll up. Like, if something if somebody's coming from one of us, we roll up. And I, I'm confident and comfortable with, you know, the group that I have. But... There are certain, you know, people who have some, some have big positions, some have little positions, but there are certain people that, you know, like based on what we've experienced and based on what we see that you can't really trust your own. And it's really, really heartbreaking and it's really unfortunate. And, you know, I hate second guessing people, especially people, sometimes people that I respect and like, but I just know that if something's going down, you know, something like if a huge, 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 big, like they're attacking people, you know, for saying they don't like a song, they don't like a concept. And, you know, it's just a black person speaking out and the racists are coming. I know that they're not going to say anything. And that for me is like one of the worst things that I see. Like, I mean, I've seen some messed up things, but that is probably one of the worst 
parts of being in fandoms that I see when like your own is just like silent because they're only they're only here to sort of be positive voices for their faves. They don't they don't deal with negativity or they're unopinionated. I don't know whatever that is, but yeah, that's kind of what I was getting when I was listening to Carrie and Mars. So I'd like to read out just a few quick comments from the audience here. And then Stephanie, Bri, I, I just didn't see either of you raise your hands. Not that you need to, of course. Um, but uh, I'd love to call on you in case you had any other thoughts. Um, so really quick, uh, Tiffany Yeri tweets, in publications and the general public were praising K-pop fans for flooding apps and hashtags. It pissed me off last year because it felt like they did it to make themselves um, make themselves and their phase look good when in reality they defend or say racist rhetoric. Um, and I think that goes along uh, just with what uh, Mars was talking about earlier. Um, let's see. Liz C also tweets, the harm is compounded when black fans are targeted for spreading on music, speaking on music that is directly informed by black music across uh, diaspora. And um, I think, yeah, so I'll, I'll just stop there. Um, so Stephanie or Bree, did, did either of you have any thoughts on anything yeah. that was discussed? Sure. Um, so like, wow, we just like went straight in. I love it. <laughs> um, I guess on the topic of black fans who exhibit anti-black behaviors, I wanted to share from a personal angle, like my own experience kind of being on that side <laughs> okay, not saying I'm on that side right now, um, but in my youth, in my early years of being a K-pop fan, I would actually, like looking back on it, say that my early childhood experiences of, uh, number one, being brought up in a Black family of respectability politics, of being taught that there are the good, proper kind of Black people and the wrong kind of black people. Uh, I was brought up like that. And even though I wanted to, you know, get approval and validation from cool, popular black kids, um, they made fun of me and they said, I talked white, I'm an Oreo and, you know, all, all of that stuff. So that, that didn't really work out for me. And I was super judgmental of them anyway. So that kind of, early misstep kind of set me on the path to like look to other groups for validation and approval and what do you know I found k-pop sometime in between middle and high school and the Korean kids in my school um, thought it was great that I'm interested in their culture and they just like didn't make fun of me and they treated me like I'm, I'm someone special, complimented me. So just like little, little baby Stephanie was able to find uh, what, what I later learned was just superficial kind of fake validation, um, like kind of in the form of uh, non-black people telling me, oh, yeah, you're not like other black people. I don't even think of you as black. Like you're a good one. Right. And that just made me feel so good. It was like what I what I was brought up to chase these people were giving it to me and K-pop was giving it to me. K-pop online fandom like Soompi.com and the chat rooms gave me a place where I could just.
Stephanie, I think we lost you there for a second. Oh no! Stephanie, Stephanie, you're gonna like uh, Stephanie, come back. Where are you? This is Twitter being petty. I know. Twitter's a hater. (laughs) Okay, well, it was a very unique perspective, of course. I think we'll want to circle back on that maybe when we uh, hear from Stephanie again. Stephanie, if you're hearing this, uh, just interrupt uh, whatever's happening to jump right back Mm -hmm. in on that. Brie raised her hand just now. Yep, yep. Go ahead, Brie. Yeah, um, yeah, it's sad that we lost her. I was feeling it. Um, I have a lot of similar experiences to Stephanie, but um, kind of about what we were talking about earlier about um, how a lot of fans try to sanitize, you know, situations and want to see their idols as perfect. Um, I just wanted to like reiterate just how harmful that has been for me about how much it just removes the humanity from everyone involves it removes the humanity from your idols from the people who are making these decisions from the other fans that are being attacked um and i just think that holding people accountable is so important and holding your faves accountable is so important and i don't know why you wouldn't want to hold your fave accountable and be like and see them grow as a person you know as you grow along with their music and whatever in your relationship with them. Um, So yeah, that was one thing um, that I wanted to mention. And then another one is just like the, we talked about it earlier, but just like the constant guard up that I have personally as a K-pop fan, as a black female K-pop fan is that it's like, it's always so exciting, you know, like when there's a comeback and, you know, concept photos drop or something, but it's like, are am I about to be disrespected with these with these concept photos or with this music video you know so I feel like like or when I'm like interacting with new fans or following new people it's always like I always have a guard up and it's you know we were talking about what creating safe spaces looks like and it's like I feel like it's so hard to find that in any community because of how you know um all-encompassing white supremacy is in our society. Um, so yeah, those were just some thoughts that I had, kind of jumping all over the place because I'm not good at following conversations, but yeah. Hey, I think I got disconnected. You. Yeah, go ahead. We lost you right at, um, I don't recall exactly the moment we lost you. Uh, you were you were talking about validation from like um, K-pop and your um, Asian friends, and that um, it yes. was like fake, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I I, I will finish up. Sorry about that. Um, when I joined specifically online communities like Soompi.com, where your profile picture could be anything, you could pick a username. Um, I got so much pleasure from being in a space where I didn't have to be black, quote unquote, or people couldn't tell right off my face. I could pretend to be something else or I would be in rooms, chat rooms where they would be like, yeah, we're all Asian here, da, da, da. And because I knew all these, all this cultural knowledge, I could like get entry in to those kinds of spaces. And so looking back, I mean, I just want to 
share like personal details of how someone might um, you know, end up on the side of really chasing after those validating, approving remarks. You know, you're not like other black people. I don't even think of you as black. You're like really Asian on the inside. Like that felt so good to me growing up as someone who, again, was brought up in like a respectability household that like a lot of black teaching you that a lot of black people, black culture are bad, are negative. You know, that's a very common black household narrative, to be honest. Um, just coming from that background, finding K-pop and finding the K-pop community was like the perfect storm to send me on a more anti-black path and to separate me from the black community. So like now I have come around, of course, to, um, to having different perspectives and different experiences, but that was hard work. And I can totally see how people can veer off into the other side, um, just chasing after that, that validation. That's all. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. Um, I, I think we all really appreciate that story. Um, I, I guess I kind of want to ask, like, how what's a healthy way to go about like those points of like intersection or or discourse? Like, what what would you ask fandom to do to like either be an ally or to um, engage respectfully online because it, it always seems to me that like things like go straight to the echo chamber or hyperbole and it just becomes like you know hate on hate conversation like what 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 would you ask in terms of um either in fostering a, a productive discourse like a rational respectful um uh, discourse. Um, I'll go. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. I'll go. Um, well, that's like that's that's a good question, but it's also like a little loaded because like it it would take a lot of unlearning from people who who see anti blackness or who are participating in anti blackness and just see it as normal because it's not something they particularly care to experience. So it'd be like, like imagine me walking into a clan meeting and trying to, you know, be like, hey, you know, how can we talk about, you know, you liking Black people? It's not going to happen because even in their day-to-day -day lives, they still see Black people the way they see Black people online. They're just more vocal about it online because, you know, you have you have the internet behind, to hide behind. So you can do you can say and do anything you want. Um, and I think a lot of people get a little bit too comfortable with that when they could be, I don't know, being better people. I think what 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 people who who consider themselves allies, who are who are our allies, could do is if they see something, you know, perhaps call it out or, you know, have a conversation with that person because I can reassure, I, I, I think I can speak for all the Black people here when I say this. Um, we are tired of having those conversations. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and finish it out. And then uh, Carolyn. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, it is kind of loaded. And I think this is something we've been talking about a lot, especially since the whole <sighs> J Park gate. Um, when we <laughs> were literally just trying to figure out what we could do going forward to like, so we could stop having these conversations because these conversations are not fun. Like, you know, unpacking trauma is not fun. Uh, so I do feel like it's, it's, it's on a micro and it's on a macro level. On a micro level, if you're an ally, if you feel like you're truly an ally and you know, whether or not that means you have to unpack, I mean, we're all unpacking things no one is perfect. We're all human beings. So it's not, it's, if you like the best thing about being a human being is that you can change, you can make the choice to be better. And that involves unpacking, you know, as Stephanie mentioned. And so if you see something that you believe could be harmful or, you know, is falls under the, you know, the homophobic, transphobic, racist, xenophobic sort of umbrella, like, just say it, just speak out, just say like, hey, like, you may not mean this, but, you know, this is what I'm saying. And I mean, that's not necessarily how I would say it, but I'm saying like, that is something that you could do, you know, like, I'm, I personally generally see like very extreme examples, um, because a lot of people don't like honest opinions in some ways and also um yeah just because it's in the places that I've been in but all we want is for people to be better like we don't like even even Jay Park I would love for Jay Park to be better I would love for him to actually take the notes that we are providing we are literally telling him what not to do at this point and if he applies it and then he pushes it forward with his crews and with, you know, other rappers in Korea, like we could see change because J Park has the power for that kind of change, you know? Um, so that's like a macro level version. And the micro level version is like just people in fandom spaces being like, this is problematic. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people in powerful positions tend to be the most sensitive. Um, so like, as I said, if, if you, just word it like, hey, this is harmful. This could be triggering to somebody. This this might be problematic. I know you don't mean it, but like it could be. Some people respond really well to that. And that could also be an impetus for change, you know? I'm just like freeballing at this point, you know, like there's <laughs> there's so many ways that we could kind of go about it because it is a loaded topic. But like the two things that I that I'm just sort of coming back to are just like everyday people being like, hey don't do this. <laughs> and then just like people in power, like one person in power who has influence, who has people who follow them just being like, hey, don't do this. Or maybe, hey, we shouldn't be doing this and sort of moving it along. I think a lot of people are afraid to speak out uh, a lot of the time. And that fear, like, yeah, I get it. But like you being afraid is so small and compared to people being traumatized, you know? Um, and so I really just want people to sort of start being real with themselves and start being real with the people around them. Uh, Fanning out and Carolyn? 
Um, yeah. So I think for me is while I'm extremely tired of having these conversations because it feels like, first of all, I'm a black person and I've been having these conversations about experiencing racism all my life. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, while I'm tired of having them, I'm never going to stop calling racism out when I see it. I'm not going to stop calling out anti-Blackness when I see it. And that's just something I'm going to be very vocal about until there is a change. And that's the only way for pointing it out is the only way that we will see change. While that change happens slower than I would like, but it is... um, but it does, all, not always, but it does end up happening. And also too, I think um, while we're in the topic of like calling people out, I feel like the only way to see change in, in fans is to have idols and companies whenever, excuse my French, but whenever an idol fucks up, they get held accountable for it and when, they apologize for it when they come out and say, hey, I did this and I messed up and I, um, I'm genuinely sorry. And they hold their fans who are silencing people who are offended accountable as well. I think that can prove to be very helpful. It can definitely show them like, hey, my fave, you know, they're genuinely sorry and well, it could be a double-edged sword for that one, but I'm just saying, like, it just always, it need, that's how high up it needs to go. That's where the change needs to start for me, in my opinion. Yeah, thank you. And Carolyn, sorry. Go ahead. Um, for me, um, kind of going from what both uh, Fanana and um, Nat said about macro, micro, if you're, the thing is, is, I think it actually has, it kind of actually goes in reverse with, with regards to, to K-pop because the, the K-pop industry and the fandom is very unique in the fact that the idols and the companies listen more to the fans than the fans listen to the companies and the idols. And I say this from my perspective as a film critic in the fact that we, I, myself as a film critic, a black woman, I speak about racism a lot in films and and i speak about colorism and misogyny and and misogynal war and that and that intersection of of racism and misogyny against black women a lot in my work and um when i'm watching how k-pop fandoms operate like we see the companies are looking towards the fandoms for for response because when you have the majority of the fandom saying Oh, it's not that big a deal. We're sorry, Opa. Like, don't pay these haters any money. We we forgive you. You know, especially the ones who are who are the ones who are not harmed. They're not the ones who were facing racism. They're not the ones who are facing critique. They're not the ones who were being insulted and harassed and docs. They're but they're the ones telling the, the the companies and the and the guys and the artists who who do these harmful things. We forgive you. The the companies are going to look at them and say, okay, well these are the majority, so th- we're going to appease them and we're going to make these half-assed apologies. To please the the majority, because the the minority, the ones who are being um, cried on and browbeaten, they 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 don't matter. So what we're gonna have to do is for, is for the phantoms, the majority then to be the ones to say, okay, this is wrong. This is what needs to happen. And the way how that happens is we talk about allies, and the allies are the ones who really do need to step up. And this is if you do call yourself an ally, because calling yourself an ally and doing nothing that means that's just squat. Like that that's speaking. That's uh, you know what to say. Um, empty vessels make most noise. I we need action, and and I, when I say this, I mean 
stop asking black people to educate the, everyone else. We're sick and tired of being asked to educate. We have provided the material. You know what the you know what the issues are. You know what racism is. You know what racism looks like. You know what it sounds like. Speak up. Stop asking black people to 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 to, to educate them. We're tired. We want to sit down. Like let us sit back and you guys take the and you guys take the driver's seat. You have the tools. Use them. And that's a that's another big problem in the fandom is always and I'm gonna be blunt. Black women are the ones who always have to defend everyone else whether it's muslims whether it's other asians be facing xenophobia in the fandoms it is always black women who are always having to stand it because we know what it's like to be dismissed we know what it's like to be ignored and we i think like myself i hate bullies i was bullied in school and i can't stand bullies in real life i can't stand bullies now and i think that's one of the reasons i get hot under the color and um, we, we would say take up fire rage when i see any of this ish happening because it has to stop eventually and the fact the people who are calling themselves allies need to stop coddling these people, stop calling the fans because we're afraid that they're going to turn against us. Guess what? That's what it's like being a black woman every day. The potential for someone to turn against you. That's what that's what it's like being a black woman. That's not even just as a K-pop fan. And then I, I, the media plays a big part in it, too, because it's the media that allows them to get away with this. It's the media who ignores when we talk about racism. It's the media who who levels them up and calling them activists when they're out there portraying racism the same time they're calling them activists. I'm like, that's not what activism looks like. That's not what advocacy looks like. But again, it's the media wanting to appease armies. I'm going to say this because they're the biggest fandom now. And like, because BTS is the biggest group, they're going to appease the biggest fandom because all they care about is the clicks. All they care about is the attention. They don't care about the harm that that fandom is causing to people. They don't care that that fandom is out there doxing and, and, threatening people all they care about is the clicks and what we have to do is we have to make the media realize that that shit can't play anymore and i say this as a critic i i as a critic i call out like directors i call out writers i call out studios whenever they do shit and we got to do the same thing for these media companies and these writers and these outlets who cover k-pop in particular because they are not interested in what the real problem is in fandom um, in fandom because they think it's all hunky-dory they're trying to sell the idea that being a fa- that being a fan it's all sunshine and rainbows and flowers. It is not. It's like a battlefield out here almost every day on, on Twitter. We talk about Sundays. When it comes to Sundays, we always know that some drama is going to go down. And half of the time, that drama has something to do with racism. It has something to do with some artists being anti-Black. It has something to do with some, if I talk about dramas, some director or some actor portraying some anti-Black character in a, in a, in a, um, in a show. Like, this ish is like, it's like a war zone out here half the time. And that's and what we need is for people to realize and wake up and stop trying to sell this fake idea that being a fan is as easy as like as is is like Sesame Street is not. Yeah, thank you for all of your comments. I'm not seeing any other um, hand raising from the speakers right now, so I'm going to read off a few of the audience tweets here. So, uh, <laughs> your face, uh, Gee Dragon tweets. Uh, K-pop will not stop being racist until racism itself is abolished. The industry merely copies the same exploitive and extractive behaviors that white capitalism enacts on black people. Until the racial hierarchy is dissolved and black culture is equal with white and green culture, there will never be an end to cultural appropriation or racism in K-pop. There is no amount of policies, compensation, messages, or representation that can fix the problem. Um, let's see. Uh, Tiffany Yari also tweets, I think the main way for 
change, one way for change to happen is for people to stop spending money on groups. All international fans need to be a part of it because it with K-pop becoming so global and companies wanting to reach Western audiences, cutting them off financially might scare them enough into changing for the better. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and I think that goes along with um, points of intersection and ways that, you know, again, so that, you know, black fans don't have to, you know, continue to be a broken record and repeat themselves. Just the vigilant community um, can be allies and speak up and, and support. And so in this case, it's not just speaking up, but actually having a business impact um, and uh, hopefully motivating change in that way. Um, can I say something? Or, yeah, or go ahead, Stephanie. I am over allies. Okay, I would like for us to stop raising that. Shake the table. <laughs> All right. Sure, you I don't. I don't need any more people putting a badge on themselves of I am an ally, aka I am a good white person. Like those are actually the worst kind of non-black people or white people. All right. You know, MLK talked about the the white moderate. You know, we can talk about how, um, you know, folks who think that they're on the right side have the biggest blind spots and are the most defensive when something is brought to them in the form of um, critique or like, hey, you know, you caused some harm there. They are the most shook and offended because their their image of themselves is shook. Right. Because they've they've glued this badge of ally onto themselves. So I want us to replace that with, you know, maybe and and I haven't figured out what the answer is, but um, more discussion about being an an accomplice or co-conspirator, people who really like take risks and put themselves and their reputation at risk. Who are about that who are about that life and like down with us so that they don't need credit and they don't need a pat on the back and a cookie. They don't need a badge. They don't need a a label of what kind of white person they are. They just do it and live it. Right. And I know Mm -hmm. people like that. I have them in my life. So I just wanted to poke at that term for a bit and then challenge us to do something else. I agree with you, Stephanie. I feel like, listen, if we're on, if this is a war zone, I need you to start shooting first, (laughs) then ask questions later. (laughs) Like, this ain't, I don't need you to be asking me questions. I need you to just start throwing hands. Yeah, like, I I agree with Stephanie. Ally is the wrong word to use in this context. Um, Like, the word that comes to my head is comrades, and then you mentioned accomplice. Like, yeah, be the the getaway driver. Get you gotta get in the trenches with us and like, as, and as Nat said, shoot first. Be the one to like. We are happy to supply the bullets. This thing do actually got to do the action and stop expecting us to do the work. Like it's it's exhausting. It's mentally and physically exhausting. Like some days at the end of the day, when you go through all of this ish, like my experience, like the week before, I was exhausted. At the end of the day, I told my friends, I can't do this. Like I blocked like almost six hundred people over the course of like a couple hours because it's like it's just trash and that's another thing twitter needs to step up too because twitter needs to allow us to change to blockchain or chain block or however you pronounce it i am i like blocking individual people that shit is exhausting i need twitter 
and Jack to step up and allow people to start to black people who are harassing us and block their followers too because they bring their followers to our mentions. They bring our they bring their followers to harass us and to like and, and harass our followers too because it, it spills over and it, it's all like one it's all like one big dominant fan at the end of the day. We're the ones who are being hurt while they get to go about their merry way and harass somebody else. Okay, I like the I'm sorry, I, I couldn't raise my head, but I I um, a friend uh, has brought like this tweet to my attention. So like they said the thing is that somehow fans think that being racist towards black people makes them in their little heads more like their faves or how their faves were raised as Asians is literally coming from whites who wish to be Korean adjacent as possible. I agree with that one hundred percent. I agree with that. I do too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't the conversation about like the Japanese starting sneaker culture also brought up by a white person? And not even listen the way I had to fight for my life during that conversation because it's like, first of all, you're wrong. (sighs) Yeah. So we're definitely seeing like a lot of like Western, you know ideology sort of being pushed in a lot of ways um not to take any um sort of responsibility from you know other races because we know that anti-blackness is global i mean they've been communicating and meeting up and spreading you know cultures all over for like thousands of years at this point so um there is some internalized uh behavior there but i definitely think that the like back in the day like early K-pop, the worst, you know, I mean, there was definitely blackface and there was a lot of N-words and and stuff like that. But a lot of the really, really like crazy stuff that I've seen has been since K-pop exploded in the West. Since it became more popular is when I did start to see a lot more toxic fandom. So... That is a a very, very valid point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Does anybody else have any ideas of what we can do? I mean, definitely hitting people's pockets is a major way that you can make change. Um, but I do, I do still think that you need to have, you know, comrades who are going to be, um, who have some sort of influence, some sort of power, uh, who whose word is like gold, you know? Um, I don't know if we'll ever find anybody like that, but I do feel like that would make a huge difference instead of us having to have this conversation every single time somebody has rights. Somebody says the N-word, especially with the ER. When white supremacy is trending um, for a K-pop group, uh, you know, like, uh, it's a lot. Uh, I'm done. I'm just waiting for a bitch to pull up. That's all I'm waiting on. So I'm just going <laughs> to read a couple tweets here. Um, and then I'm actually going to invite um, Melanin Monroe onto the stage here. If you're in the audience, maybe we have space for just one question. And when you go onto the stage, I'm just going to remind you of our ground rules here. Let's keep it respectful. If Don't make it weird, <laughs> please. Um, but if it gets to that point, we've got permission to kick whoever off if we need to. Um, so, Melanin, I'm going to add you as a speaker while I read out these other tweets here. 
Um, Carlene tweets, I have seen so much bullying from K-pop fans on Twitter. It's out of control. Once you disagree with the majority view, you're at risk for cancellation. Yeah, I think a lot of us have been there. I also want to call out that... um, like removing the ally label it's like the bottom like the floorboard of what it means to just be a base like decent human being or like ethical k-pop fan it's just like you need to do these things anyway and i think nat provided some examples of ways where you can intersect either with your idol decision maker or you know whoever you know in question that like you know needs to be um, called out and guided to, to the right thing. So um, with that, um, Melanin, I'm going to let you uh, ask your question or make your comment. Um, so I just want to elaborate because I was the one who sent um, the 106 and Soul, the one about how it's... Hi, Bestie. Hello, Mars. Um, I actually have very, very close friends who are um, like in real life that are on this um, panel. So we have these discussions often. But um, I just want to say I definitely do believe in what I said. It is the almost, oh, it's like the Ollie London isness of K pop Twitter. It's like, you know, when we first get into um, K-pop, we're very interested in the culture in general. So there are some people who take that to the max. So they feel like they want to be as Korean as possible or Korean adjacent. So instead of using their own values that they grew up with, they take on that that stand personality of, oh, no, Opa didn't mean that, da-da-da. Like, they'll literally trivialize death threats and doxing and things of that situation and when it comes to using the n-word or using braids um they'll also make excuses for it and then be like as disgustingly racist to any other black person basically saying well you're not good enough you're black so you would not understand even though this is freaking i don't know becky from mississauga it just doesn't and that's kind of how to me how it radiates and then they kind of find each other and they click up because I'm a I'm an English professor at a private university I do it virtually um I have been for the past almost year and a half and I used to do it physically I talk to regular degla schmengla Koreans all the time in the age bracket of 17 to 32 they already know the things that we're trying to teach or educate these idols this is to me not only a ploy for attention from some of these um, individuals, but what they don't, and I don't think they really understand that them playing costume with a culture is actually hurting the people who pay them. And that's all I got to say. Thank you so much. Um, I know we're running low on time. I just wanted to say something a little positive because I think we're going to be wrapping up, right? Or no? If possible, I need to pick up my wife here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to say, there was a group that was debuting, and the company had actually done a like PowerPoint program on on anti blackness from the perspective of cultural appropriation. And I can't find the video right now, but we did watch the video with like my Nian crew. Um, so the potential is there. Like they have the facts, they have the information, they have people there who want to teach other Koreans who may not know or, you know, don't understand it. Um, So I think that there is potential there um, for 
these sort of for the change that we want to see, um, even though it is slow, as we mentioned. Um, but like seeing that video did make me feel a little bit better because it was I don't know, like it's it's not like it's going to world like end any of this racism that we see, obviously, but it was not something that I would have ever expected, you know, and I'm hoping that like smaller companies maybe continue with that trend and then it'll roll over into bigger companies when big companies see that people are praising them for that. So that's all I want to add. Thank you. And um, Carolyn, we'll, we'll have you go up next, but um, just a reminder to the audience, um, thank you uh, for being respectful of this conversation and, and also, honestly, your, your patience and, and hearing with me uh, sort through this. Um, be sure to follow each of the speakers um, if you haven't already and um, uh, do it just because you're a basic human being and not, not because you're trying to go for the quote-unquote ally badge. So go ahead, Carolyn. Um, so my comment has a bit to do with both what Melanin and Nat said. So with regards to um, with people wanting to be or act Korean adjacent, the thing is, is where this is where I something that I always say is where you see that the fandom themselves don't really care about the culture of these artists and they don't care about the, the people in Korea. They don't even care about the artists themselves. It's about this idea being so in the fact that they infantilize these artists a lot. They make they they refer to them as their boys and they infantilize them where they're trying to say that they don't have the education level to know what we're talking about, that as though they don't understand what black, what racism is, as though they don't understand what black um, anti-blackness is, and as though they don't know the history of racism in America in itself. And like that's bullface lies because South Korea is one of the most literate countries in the world. They have some of the best education systems, and they have the fastest internet speed in the whole entire planet. They they have access to to history and the fact is, is that they're taught a lot of American history in their universities and a lot of these a lot of these artists they know they learn about this stuff in middle school and in high school and in college so it's not that they don't know and then there's the there's the what Nat was talking about with the video clip I know she's talking about she's talking about the video clip that was shown to this group and that thing lasted about ten minutes and the problem with that clip is the information that was gathered was created from a thread that was created by a Korean. And when you read when you read that thread, you could see that all of the information wasn't exactly accurate because there were things that were misunderstood about um, black culture with regards to like our hair and our clothing. And then there's all there was a lot of it wasn't um, explained very well. So even when even if they're they're the intent that they want to learn and do better, they have to we have to they have to get the correct information first. Because if the information that you're basing your teachings on isn't accurate and is only told from a perspective of a Korean person who does not have a full understanding of black culture, that's going to be a problem, too. In like an example would be where they talk about, oh, cornrows is just a part of black culture. And, and they were referring to American culture, which is not true. Cornrows are have significance to the black diaspora around the world. And this is another problem where they only focus on the, the uh, and the fandoms do it too. They, they make it seem that it's only black Americans that have problems with these things. It's only black Americans that nitpick. And that's a way to, uh, I would say, dismiss the concerns of black people across the diaspora because it's not only black Americans. It's people in Africa. It's people in the Caribbean. It's people in Latin. There's Afro-Latina people that are offended by the things that, the, that, by the things that happen. And when the fandoms don't want to recognize this, it's a problem when the artists themselves don't want to recognize this too, where it's about cultural education and cultural sensitivity. 
And these are things that we have to contend with. And these are things that need to be dealt with within the fandoms and the companies themselves, too. It has to be about education and cultural education specifically. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start wrapping it up here. So I'm going to read a couple tweets. Sarah, let's have you make your uh, comment or question. Stephanie, maybe you had something to add on. Yeah. There, maybe. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephanie. Okay, I'll try to keep it quick. Um, I think we're talking about how to possibly take uh, folks exhibiting anti-Blackness and turn them around, right? And while education or training or reading books, like it could be helpful. I don't know. Jury's still out. If I just look into my own life and how I was turned, <laughs> right, um, towards the light, I... I really had to learn the hard way through hitting a rock bottom of trying to be as Asian as possible and get as close as possible to um, like I, j j just to be specific and be as, as vulnerable as possible. I wanted to be Korean so much that I joined the Korean Students Association in my college and became the cultural director and the host of the annual culture show and learned Korean and all of this. And I did all of that for that community, for that culture, hoping for the validation. And then the day, the, the night of the show, I was not invited to the after party. They like stopped me at the door and were like, oh, this is for Asians only. After I had done all of that, it still didn't work out for me. I did not get the validation I was seeking since I was a child. And so I tell that story to show that, um, you know, a lot of these people out there that are lost and seeking the validation in Asianness, in whiteness, it's not going to work out for them. And sometimes their their own lived experience will be the greatest teacher to wake them up and, and turn towards the light. Thank you so much for that, Stephanie. And I'll concur that even from like an Asian perspective of trying to be like going for that whiteness. <laughs> Same thing still happens in the end. Absolutely. So really quick, I'm just going to read these tweets and then we'll we'll close it with um, Sarah. So uh, Christine, third user Christina tweets, ignorance isn't an excuse in America anymore, so it definitely shouldn't be in Korea if they're so correct all the time. I, obviously some sarcasm in that response, but I think going along with what Carolyn uh, was talking about earlier. Uh, similarly, um, Twitter user Toto or Yokai9 tweets, they do not care at the end of the day from my perspective, because if you can do a case study on black women in K-pop, then you would know that people are calling you out uh, for racism and do forth and so on. Um, and uh, oh, oh, by the way, Carlene also tweeted, I think we need to get into companies. For example, Hype America is coming to LA keep sending messages to them. So if that's our call to action right there. So Sarah, we'll, we'll close it off uh, with you. So go ahead, Sarah. Oh, no pressure. Um, no, I, I, I'm really happy at least that we're having these conversations. And, um, you know, sometimes I worry that um, we're kind of speaking to the choir a little bit because there's, you know, who are the people that are most likely going to join in these kinds of spaces people that probably already feel like, um, you know, there's anti-blackness and K-pop and there's something that needs to be done with it. Whereas the people who are kind of 
you know, who are racist or the people who, who need this message, they need to be changed. Probably they may not be willing to join in these kinds of spaces, but, you know, I think this is a good starting point. It's a good starting point, especially for people to get their experiences out there. And um, I really hope that these kinds of spaces can get more traction amongst, um, you know, journalists and, you know, bigger publications. I see there are some people here in the space who've written for, for big publications like, you know, MTV or Teen Vogue and such. I would like to see more of those, you know, editors, freelancers, um, just people in the media involved in these kinds of conversations so that they can spread a lot more widely and um, hopefully reach the people that it really needs to reach. Because, you know, this is a big, you know, K-pop, K-pop fandom is global and there's so many different people from so many different walks of life involved. Um, but anti-blackness is also global. So, so many different people need to hear this message. So I, I hope that happens soon. But thanks for, for hosting this chat and for getting things started, getting the ball rolling. Well, thank you, everyone. I, I mean, uh, sorry for honestly being the, like the clumsy, like half white, half Asian dude uh, entering into this conversation. I, I really appreciate all of um, the, the vulnerability um, honest thoughts um, and everything that you all shared uh, for this conversation. Um, I think we we've got a few calls to action here. Um, one, I you know my PR ears are going up in terms of just pitching reporters and editors. As Sarah flagged, I think you know you, honestly you can extend that to other like quote unquote influencers as well. Anyone, frankly, with a platform um, to you know change the the broader discourse and penetrate those echo chambers where these topics are just, you know, um, not understood or just not, not heard. And, um, anyway, I'll, I'll close it there. Thank you. Uh, follow all the speakers. If you haven't already, I think we're going to do something incredibly softball next week. I don't know, like which, which gen, which K-pop generation is the best golden generation. I don't know. Maybe that's not a softball topic. Um, but uh, we'll be back. Second gen. <laughs> Second gen. Yes, yeah, second, second gen. Second gen. Not softball. Are you starting? You want to start fights? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll come up with something better. But but I think we're we're gonna try to change things up to just be more lighthearted for next week. Um, so uh, thank you again, all the audience members for joining this conversation, um, as well as uh, especially the speakers. I, I really, 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 really appreciate all the stories and, and perspectives that you that you offered and. Um, We'll see you all again next week. Bye, everyone. Roll, Bye, everyone. Roll, roll, roll. Bye. Thank you. There you go, Jake. Come on up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, bitches. <laughs> 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 <laughs>